the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Remember, his plan and purpose for us is so much greater than our plan and purpose for ourselves. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Yes, we all attend meetings, do we not, you know? A meeting is defined in a dictionary as an assembly of people to discuss things. A meeting is set with a specific time and date to gather. You know, we all have these meetings we go to, some we long for, others, well, we absolutely dread those meetings. We love the meetings that can benefit us, like a meeting with the boss after a record month of sales or something, knowing that a raise might be in the air. Uh, You ladies look forward to meeting a friend for coffee or going to get a makeover uh, at Sephora or something. Why? Well, because you like to have a, a new look. But most of the time, meetings will mean two different things. Number one, that we're stuck in a room for way longer than we want to be in there. And number two, it's going to lead to more work. That's what meetings are about. More work. Let me pile some more things on you. Yes, we all have those unwanted but necessary meetings. Meetings with the boss. Meetings with our coworkers. But sometimes meetings can resemble Hotel California, where you can check in, but you can never check out. Yes. Yes, it's it's like falling into a sinkhole with no exit. It's like getting caught in a riptide and you can't swim out of it. It's like, well, you get the point. Just a meeting that never ends. Yes, there are meetings that we look forward to, and then there's other meetings that, that we despise. But there's another kind of meeting It's the kind that many of us have had in our life that we've encountered, yet it might just be an encounter that some of you might find here tonight, while others might find it all over again. And of course, that's the encounter of a meeting with the Lord himself. Tonight, we're going to look at a meeting that Jesus scheduled himself with an unsuspecting woman of all people. It was a woman that had well, traveled down the wrong path in life. It was a woman that was rejected by her culture and society. It was a woman that made a lifetime of really bad decisions. Yet the God of heaven, he didn't reject her. Instead, he planned a meeting with her to reach out to her in her brokenness. In the midst of her sin, when nobody else cared about her, God 
cared about her. So let's look at our first point here, a pre-planned meeting. As we read together here in John chapter 4, picking up in verse 1, it says, Therefore, when the Lord Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John the Baptist, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. Verse 3 says, He left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Stop there just for a moment here. Notice it said in verse 4 that Jesus, he had to pass through Samaria. The King James Bible says he must need to pass through Samaria. Now, why in the world did Jesus have to go here? Because Jesus had a pre-planned meeting that he was simply not willing to miss. Think about that. Of all the places that Jesus, the literal God-man, could have gone, he chose to go where most Jews would never consider going. Samaria. The Samaritans, as you know, were Jews that had intermarried with other nationalities. And because of that, they were considered sellouts, impure, half-breeds. Thus, they were forsaken. They were abandoned as heathen dogs. They were not allowed to marry back into the Jewish families, for they had tainted their bloodline. They were restricted from all social interactions with the rest of the Jews. It was forbidden for a Jew to even mention the name Samaritan. It was considered despicable. These people are only good for uh, uh, causing the, the fires of hell to even burn more. But Jesus was different. He wasn't filled with that prejudice. God's love is consistent from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, remember when God created the Jewish race with Father Abraham in the Old Testament. He said in Genesis twelve three that you in all the families of the earth, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed by you. No, not just this new Jewish family. All the families, every race, every nation is going to be blessed. He told us in the New Testament in Galatians 3.28, he says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, non-Jew. There is neither slave or a free man. There is neither a male or a female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Although man with our sin nature can harbor great prejudice, and we can have hatred in us for years, Jesus does quite the opposite. Jesus disarms hate. Jesus disarms prejudice, and he replaces it with love. Don't you think we should do the same? In our culture, the cancel culture that we're in, oh, you don't believe in our narrative? We'll cancel you out. Notice in verse 6, it said that Jesus was wearied. It's an interesting word that's used in the original language. It means that Jesus was tired and weary to the point of feeling like he was beaten up. 
I was playing basketball with a bunch of 20-year-olds. And I mean, I was stomping these guys. I was owning the paint. Man, they couldn't stop me. I was hitting everything under the sun. Here's the difference between me, 62 years old, and these 20-year-olds. The next morning, I could barely get out of bed. <laughs> I told my wife, I felt like a, a tank ran over me. It's like, God, I'm just, I'm going to the bathroom like this. Oh, 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 you know. So, but I was looking good on Friday. Just don't look for me on Saturday. Yes, you know, we need to be ready in season and out of season. See, Jesus was ready for this meeting. We need to be ready as believers because you never know when God's going to put someone in your path. So just last Wednesday, I was going to In-N-Out, and there's this older woman there, and she's 78 years old. I never even got her name. We hit the door at the same time, and she's like, I'm sick of wearing my mask. And she just had it. She goes, I'm sick of wearing this. I go, so am I. And I had my mask in my hand. I said, let's go in maskless. <laughs> We've been freed. Let's do it. Let's push the limits. She goes, okay. And so we walk into in and out Everyone's got masks on. Everybody but us. And we walk into the counter. She ordered a double-double. I'm like, hey, she's 78 years old. She's going to pound a double-double. And so there we are. And it's like, no one said anything. We're like, wow. So we started talking. She goes, yes, I'm from Ireland. And, and it's like, you know, uh, I'm Catholic. And I've been married for 56 years. And my husband's 80 years old. And, and you know, he's one of those born agains. And, and, but I'm Catholic. And I'm like, okay, there's a reason why we're having this conversation, isn't there? So we were talking. And I was telling her, I'm going out to Harvest. I'm teaching a marriage seminar. She goes, really? I go, yeah, I've been married 42 years. And she says, oh, my goodness. You know? So we start talking and everything. And so we're talking. We're building relationships. And I said, well, I have to ask you something. And she's like, well, what? And I said, well, you said your husband was born again, and you said you're Catholic. I said, you know, in John chapter 3, the chapter before we're looking at here, there was a man named Nicodemus. He came to Jesus at night, and he said, hey, you know, we've been watching you. We've been watching what you're doing. And it's like nobody can do these things unless God were with them. And, you know, Nicodemus didn't say boo, hello, or anything. What did he say? He says, unless you're born again, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. I said, you told me a half hour ago that your husband was born again, but you were Catholic. I said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And she told me she was. And I'm like, all right. Okay, you can call yourself a Catholic. You call yourself whatever you want. But if you're not born again, you're not getting to heaven. But it was so cool to have this conversation. Yes, Jesus, he had to pass through Samaria. He had an appointment that he didn't want to miss. He had predestined this engagement, and he wanted to make sure he was there, just like he does with each and every one of us. Because God wants to speak to us. God wants to be part of our lives. He wants us to make right decisions. He wants us to all have a biblical worldview, not a secular worldview, a biblical worldview. That's not popular today. That's right. That doesn't change what God wants us to have. God wants our perspective to be based on his plans and his purpose that he established in the truth of his word. Remember, his plan and purpose for us is so much greater than our plan and purpose for ourselves. 1 Thessalonians 4.7 says, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but sanctification, to be set apart. 
I was teaching at a Baptist camp, high school camp. And I got on this part of being sanctified. High schoolers not having sex until they get married. Oh, my goodness. I got so much flack from the high schoolers. Oh, no. They were listening. They were repenting. They gave their lives to Christ. Tons of them. Who did I get the flack from? The leaders. Mm. Well, I don't know if we're going to have you back up here again. I was like, oh, okay. But you got me now. And I, I, and I kept teaching. And I kept teaching. Yes. God wants us to be set apart. Why? Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. You know, we love that verse. You know, God has a plan for you. He says, declares the Lord. He says, for plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Do you know that when he said that in Jeremiah 29, none of those people that he told it to were going to have that plan. They just went into bondage. They're going to be in bondage for 70 years in Babylon because of their rebellion, because they did not sanctify themselves and set themselves apart. Which brings up our second point, a lost soul. Jesus had an appointment with a woman who was lost. This woman was filled with emptiness. This woman was longing for life. This woman was seeking a reason to live. This woman was not just any woman. She was a Samaritan woman. And not just any Samaritan woman, but she was an immoral Samaritan woman. So you have to remember, the Jews look at the Samaritans as dogs. She was a dog from the dogs. Even the Samaritans looked down on this woman. She was scorned by her own people because of her lifestyle choices that she had made. For she had become an outcast. She was looked down upon. She was rejected by her own people. Yet that didn't stop this preordained appointment made from the God of heaven who loved her. I wonder if there are any among us who need to hear that right now. Just how much God loves you. We put it up on the wall. There's a God in heaven who loves you. That cares about you. He's seen everything you've done. Think about that. Isn't that horrifying? Didn't it seem chills down your spine? I remember sitting there as an 18-year-old at that kitchen counter, and it says, everything you've said in the dark is going to be heard in the light before God one day. Everything you've done in secret is going to be shouted on the rooftops of heaven. I'm thinking, I'm in deep trouble. (laughs) Imagine me. I was bonging. I was stealing from my employer. I was almost a teenage alcoholic. I got a girl pregnant in high school. I mean, I had to reach up to touch the bottom. And it's just like I'm hearing this, that everything I've done in secret is going to be shouted on the rooftops of heaven. I'm going to be on a rotisserie in hell. I'll be like the pig with an apple in his mouth, just getting roasted in the fires of hell. But then I heard how this God loved me, that there was hope for someone like me. Are you serious? God kept this meeting. I wonder if anyone like you here tonight, or you know someone who's broken like this woman was. I wonder if you know someone who's a social outcast. Maybe you're not, but maybe someone you know is. Maybe you're accepted where you work. Maybe on the outside, you look like everything's fine. But what about the inside? I wonder if your inside tells a different story than what your outside tells. 
Maybe you struggle with guilt. Maybe you struggle with shame and loneliness. Maybe that guilt in your life is pointing to what really is happening on the inside. Maybe you've learned how to simply mask over your feelings. Well, if that describes anyone here, then you will be able to relate with this Samaritan woman. Yes, Jesus had to pass through Samaria because of this woman. Like every one of us, she was extremely important to our Lord. Let's read again, picking up in John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman therefore said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Wow. Here the disciples are gone. We've already read that Jesus was tired and weary. Yet he reaches out to this woman who's been ravaged, who's been beat down by life itself. It was brought on by her own really bad choices, we know. Yet she shows up right on time to the meeting that God had planned. Verse 7 says it was the sixth hour, which is 12 noon. Why in the world is this woman drawing water in the heat of the day? Most of the women would come and draw the water in the morning when it was cool, when it was nice outside. Yet again, this is a woman of scorn. She was probably isolated by the other women who rejected her. Again, a social outcast. And who knows how much public ridicule she must have endured on a daily basis. The whispering behind her back, oh, <laughs> there's a, the hussy over there. The sly comments, and now as she approached this well that was normally abandoned in the heat of the day, it was now occupied by a man, a Jewish man, and he's sitting there by himself. His eyes must have pierced right through her. When the Bible says that Jesus looked at someone, he looked right through them. He could see everything about them. As he said to her, give me a drink. I wonder what the first thing she thought when Jesus said that to her. Maybe she was thinking to herself, you know, I've been abused and bullied by men my whole life. Just who does this arrogant Jew think I am? His servant? His slave? Maybe in her heart she was thinking, get your own drink of water. It's not my day to serve you. Well, we're not told, but what she does say is this. Uh, you Jews have nothing to do with us Samaritans. And you're asking me for a drink? Notice Jesus without missing a beat says in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Oh, if she only knew who she was talking to, the very source of living water. She was talking to the great I am, the true giver of life itself, the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that's in them. And, and he's standing right in front of her, ready to give her a fresh drink of life. I wonder when we pray, 
Do we really understand who it is that we're praying to? Whose presence we enter when we lift up our cares to him, when we pray about the issues of our hearts and our lives? It was Jeremiah the prophet in the Old Testament that knew exactly who God was. Listen to how he described him in Jeremiah 32 verse 17. He says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth with thy thy great power and thou outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing. I wonder if when you take your cares before the Lord, the Lord says, cast your cares before me. Do you know who you're taking those to? The creator of all things. All things. Nothing is too difficult for him. Oh, if we could only grasp the, the, the God of heaven, that he stands by us in our private prayers. If we could only grasp his great love, his eternal perspective, his, his all-knowing wisdom, maybe that would cause a holy reverence to consider what we should pray for. Instead of like, yes, Lord, I, I need the Ferrari because I need to take people to church. I can only take one at a time because it's a two-seater. Uh, maybe you wouldn't be praying for that. We should be seeking the Lord. We should be like, God, what is your will for my life? My life bites it. Nothing's working out. Maybe you should stop going your way and start going his way. It's like the person who's got the little bumper sticker in his car. It's like, yeah, God is my coal pilot. Hey, bro, dude, you're in the wrong seat. God is not my co-pilot. I don't know how to fly the plane, okay? It's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm in the back of the bus. It's like, Lord, you just go wherever you want to go, Lord. I'm just, I'm here for the ride. I want your will in my life, not mine. Well, this woman who wasn't recognizing who she was talking to, you know, nor what was really happening to her on this hot day at the well as she came to draw water. At this point, she responds to Jesus with small talk in verse 11 and 12. Yet Jesus cuts to the chase. Let's pick up what he says in verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water in your well shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall become to him a well of water springing to eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have to come all this way and draw water from this stinking well. I'm tired of coming here in the heat of the day. Verse 16, he said to her, Why don't you go call your husband and come here? And the woman said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, You said, well, that you have no husband. For you've actually had five husbands, not that anyone's counting other than me. You've had five husbands, and the one you have now, he's not your husband. He's just your live-in boyfriend. So you have said that truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Bingo. (laughs) Yeah, he knows a little bit more about you than, than you think. Yes, a prophet. That would be an understatement. How about God in human form? He just exposed your entire life. 
I wonder how many people really knew that God knows the depth of your sin. I wonder if she thought nobody knew how many times I've been married. How did he know this? She's been married and divorced five times. And the man she's currently living with now is not her husband. See, today many people have been married several times, along with a few live-in partners. The difference is our culture today has slipped so far away from God. Back then, oh, this wasn't allowed back then, even with the Samaritans. This woman has done what, what no one does back then. May I suggest that many people are seeking more out of marriage today and relationships than what those relationships are capable of giving. Because you're asking something out of a marriage that only God can give you. You want happiness? Only he can give that. The Bible tells us that we cannot find a lasting joy outside of our maker himself. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla, one word, dot org as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.